We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast presented as always by the presenting sponsor of all Rotowire fantasy podcasts this season, WinBet. Go check out winbet.com for all your sports wagering needs. James Anderson, back on the pod. Uh, James, we have two weeks exactly until the NBA regular season begins. Uh, I'm sure you were glued to your TV last night watching. I think we had nine preseason games going on last night. Um, All kinds of stuff happening in the NBA. Josh Giddy looked fantastic. I don't know if you caught uh, any Josh Giddy highlights from last night, but um, I, I had the two TVs going. It's going to be a, a lot of two TV nights, I, I think, in our future, especially with the baseball playoffs getting underway tonight. No, I mean, I, m- I must be slacking. I, uh, <laughs> I did not catch any of that. I haven't even caught the YouTube highlights. Um, I am. I was thinking about this, though. Like, I, I think I'm actually maybe more excited for the Bucks Nets on opening night than I am for the Brewers playoffs. So, um, yeah, can't, can't really complain. Though. As someone who knows infinitely more about baseball than me, like how big of a deal is the Devin Williams thing? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a deal. It's not a super huge deal, but it's, you know, certainly, not great no no it is not um no i i i'm very much looking forward to opening night i saw a tweet last night that said you know we were in the middle of the 2020 nba finals exactly a year ago today you know like it was like game three of of heat lakers which already feels like it was a year and a half two years ago um and obviously we've played like two nba finals in the course of the last year i i cannot wait to just get back to a semi-normal season and, and obviously Kyrie is doing all he can to make sure that this is not a normal season, but I think we're going to get 82 games for all teams. I think we're gonna, we're not going to have, you know, five games being postponed or moved around every single week, like the first half of last year. 
Um, fans in arenas, I, I feel like I underrated how big of a difference that made when we finally got that back in the playoffs last year. Um, and the last two two seasons, all things considered, have still been really fun, and, and a lot has happened, and, and it's you know matters just the same historically. But um, I, I'm very excited to to get like the normal NBA back this year. Absolutely, I um, really can't wait. I think it'll be here before we know it. Certainly will. Um, let's start with MVP odds at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, we have not touched in uh, on these in a while. Luka Doncic remains the favorite. Uh, I, I believe he's a heavier favorite now than he was even a week or two ago. He's at plus 380. Uh, next highest is Durant at 6-1. to one, Embiid 7-1. to one, Giannis 9-1. to one, Curry 9-1. to one. Um, Then a slew of guys in the you know 15 to 25 to 1 range. I'm really starting to like Doncic. And, and of course, there's not a ton of value there with, with him as the favorite. But you are still getting him at almost 4-1. to one. Um, I'm starting to really like Curry at 9-1 to one and Durant at 6-1. to one. Would you talk me in or out or of any of those guys? I, I know one of them is coached by Jason Kidd, which is a, a major concern for both of us this year. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, I think the, the Curry one makes sense, I think, especially at 9-1. to one. I mean, I think there was a decent case statistically for him last year, at least to be the runner-up to, to Jokic, and the team should win more games this year, which would get him more consideration. Um, I mean, like, Curry versus Doncic, like, I think those teams are probably going to win, or at least they probably have a similar range of, of wins where you could see them push to just over 50, or they could be closer to 500 if they don't get some breaks so I mean, Dallas um, is, I, Dallas's total is 48 and a half Golden State 47 and a half yeah so I mean I, I think I don't think Doncic is better than Curry I think Curry's just as good as Doncic and I think those two guys could easily have the best regular season so I don't think there there should be that wide of a spread there um maybe if if the Mavs win 53 games Doncic gets 100% of the credit, whereas if the Warriors win 53 games, Steph gets like 80% of the credit. But, um, you know, the Durant one, like I think everyone kind of agrees Durant is the best player in the world, like at the moment. Like like if you're just picking one guy uh, for a 16-game playoff run, you'd pick Durant. Um, but I also, I think James Harden's going to have a monster year. And so I just don't know how much, uh, canceling out could go down. Like if like Harden just puts up just a ridiculous year in terms of efficiency and assists and everything. And Durant maybe only plays like 65 games, you know, I don't know. I think that one, that's about right. Um, I honestly, I really think if, if Giannis was a full go right now, he'd be by far my favorite pick here. Yes. Um, I am a tiny bit worried. Like I didn't really see this being a, an issue like a month ago, but just, and I totally get why you would sort of slow play him at this point of the season. I just, you know, I, I really hope this isn't a, a thing where Giannis is falls into sort of that, you know, he's going to miss 10 games that are just sort of scheduled absences throughout the year. I, I kind of thought that he would be a full go this year, and I, I think that he was poised to have the best year of his career. Um, so 
I still I still like him at nine to one. I'm not like in love with it, uh, just based on the fact that he's not a full go yet. Um, I mean, I don't. It, it's tough. I mean, th- those top uh, top like seven or eight guys. Um, I don't I don't see Dame Lillard getting it. No. So I don't really know why he's like ahead of Jokic or ahead of LeBron. Um, but Doncic, Durant. Uh, Giannis, Curry, and then even, I don't know, maybe not Jokic or LeBron, but Doncic, Durant, Giannis, Curry. I mean, I think mm-hmm. tough to go wrong with any of those four. Yeah, I mean, the Giannis thing, if, it, if he was just missing practices and missing preseason games for maintenance purposes, that'd be fine. But it, it really does seem like there's still something going on with that knee. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I don't love it at nine to one. You know, if he's like 15 to one, then it becomes a lot more appealing as a bet. I'm, I'm still on Jokic at 15 to one. I, I still think this is a really good value. We've seen multiple guys over the last decade, you know, win back-to-back MVPs. When you, when you look at it and say, man, it's so hard to do, how are they going to top what they did? And then guys like Giannis and Curry and LeBron find a way to do it. Like, and I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that Jokic is like supposed to be the favorite. I, I think Doncic is fine as the number one guy at plus 380, but I, I think 15 to one for a guy who almost won it unanimously last year and and is going to need to have a huge season for them to, you know, for Denver to kind of stay where they want to be. I, I think that's still pretty decent value. I'm with you on Lillard. I, I don't love it. There's just too many things that could go wrong there. And I mean, he's, he's basically had as, as good of a season as I think he could have had these last few years and hasn't really ever been close to, to really winning the award. I, I don't know like what other step he can take to finally force his way into that conversation. Um, and I'm also out on LeBron and that's, that's big of me to say. So, you know, please, please acknowledge this, but, uh, no, I, I just, I don't see this Lakers thing coalescing instantly. I think it's going to take a while. I mean, even some of the comments from, from like AD and, and Frank Vogel this week are like, yeah, we're way behind where we want to be. Um, I, I think, I think LeBron tried really hard to win some MVPs the last three to five years and it didn't happen. And it, it's just a little too late. I think for him to push as hard as he needs to, to beat out some of these guys, because like the, the elite talent is so good. Like to, to be the MVP now, it's not like it was when, when LeBron won four out of five back in the day, you know, like there, there, there was competition, but there wasn't a guy at, like, like Luca could average legitimately like 31, nine and nine and, and win the MVP. Like I, I don't see LeBron having the counting stats or, or the Lakers having like a 60 plus win season that would be necessary for him to win it. No. I, and I think, um, I do think you're actually right on Jokic to like, I don't think he's going to win it, but I think at 15 to one, that that's, that's pretty decent. The, the thing is like with him, I think he won last year largely because of him being kind of a, an iron man by modern yeah. standards. Whereas I think there's like four, like if any of Doncic, Embiid, Durant, Giannis, Curry, even like LeBron, if any of those six guys is more healthy than we think they'll be or plays in more games than we think they'll play and their team is like five games above 500, I just, I I don't see the voters giving Jokic back-to-back MVPs if they have one of those other six to choose from uh, who also didn't really miss that much time. I just think, you know, like Jokic wouldn't have won over Embiid or LeBron if those guys had stayed healthy. And 
he might not have won over Curry if they hadn't played James Wiseman at all last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, there's a lot of different, and Durant, like, I mean, if Durant played uh, 85% of the games last year, he might have won it too. So I just, I think it, Jokic is kind of just that guy who, you know, he's probably not going to miss time and, and he's going to be there at the end of the year with really good stats, but uh, they're probably going to win fewer games than they did last year. And you just, you kind of assume one of those other five or six guys has a year where they're yeah. just more healthy than we were expecting. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And last year was obviously unique in that regard, as far as guys missing more games for, for even non-injury reasons than normal. Looking at rookie of the year, DK has it as somewhat of a two-man race. Uh, you have Kate Cunningham at plus 250, Jalen Green plus 275, Little bit of a gap down to Suggs at seven to one, Mobley eight to one, Scotty Barnes twelve to one, and at sharp money's coming in on Shangoon. Alper and Shangoon twelve to one to win rookie of the year. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, I love Shangoon. Um I I actually like Jan Green here at, at plus two seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Um like I think he could finish I don't know if a rookie's ever done this before, or at least in, in recent history. I think he could be like top ten in the league in points per game. Um like I just I think he's gonna average like twenty five points and I don't think he's gonna be super efficient, but I, I don't think he's gonna be shooting below forty percent. And obviously like a lot of people I think are gonna freak out like about how many points he's scoring and you know, his assists and rebounds will be, you know, not terrible. Um, but I think it's it's more to do with the pace that the Rockets will be playing. Um, and just kind of, you know, they'll be playing kind of like a, a G League team a little bit. Uh, so there's just going to be tons of counting stats for him to rack up. Um, but, I mean, that could benefit Shangun as well. Like, it's to me, it's more a question of, like, I think Jalen Green gets, like, 33, 34 minutes. Whereas Shangun maybe gets 27, 28 minutes. And so I'd, I'd give the edge to, to Green there just because he's going to have more time on the court. Um, you know, Cunningham, I, I just think it's kind of more, he's, he's more of like a teammate dependent type of player at this point. Like Jalen Green can just get the ball and just go do whatever he wants and not pass for like, 10 straight possessions if he wants, and it'll be fine. Uh, I don't really see Cunningham doing that. And then if you wanted, like, if you wanted me to just throw out a, a total, total long shot, uh, I'm, I'm mildly intrigued by everything I'm hearing about Chris Duarte mm-hmm. uh, coming out of Indiana, just, like, the fact that he could be, you know, I think he could be kind of like a, this draft's Malcolm Brogdon uh, but I just I think the guys at the top will be tougher um, for a, a guy like that to kind of emerge and, and surpass because uh, there's just kind of a few guys up there where if they stay relatively healthy, I just think they would definitely win it over him. Yeah, exactly. I, I think for Duarte, I, I think he could have a really good year. I think he could make like an all rookie team, but I, I think you would need injuries to uh, you know, there's 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 three big name guys at the top, you know, and like I, those guys are going to be such heavy favorites, I think, because of the name recognition that you would need injuries or you would need, you know, some sort of situation where where one or two of those guys just aren't nearly as good. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. 
I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm looking at the highest points per game scores for, for rookies throughout NBA history. If Jalen Green gets to 25 points per game, that would be that would be the highest easily since Michael Jordan in, in 84-85, whoever's 28.2 per game. Like, even, like Durant was right around 20 points per game. Blake Griffin was like 21, 22. Uh, Doncic was 21. Carmelo, 21. Um, there's not many guys in, in modern NBA history, at least, who who have topped 22 points per game. That That's kind of the ceiling. So I, I would push back a little bit. Like, I, I think Jalen Green is going to be in the best position of any rookie. And I, and I agree about everything you said about Cade Cunningham. I, I don't think he's... I, I don't think his, his counting stats are going to be maybe as impressive as some people think. I, I think we're going to see a lot of good things out of him, but I, I don't think he's going to just instantly step in and be this like 18, seven and seven guy. Um, I mean, everything is moving in green's favor as far as playing style, as far as he's going to have the longest leash. I think of any of these rookies, they're going to force feed him shots, but I, I, I just don't see him getting to 25. To me, that's a little high. Like if he can get to 20, well, that would be great. Well, how about this? Like you threw out if Carmelo averaged 21 as a rookie, right? Pace. I know. Like, like if you adjust for pace and then you adjust sure. for the fact Jalen Green's going to be shooting like 10 threes a game and Carmelo yeah. was probably shooting like four threes a game back then. Uh, 2.6. Uh, 2.6. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, if Carmelo can score 21 with taking 2.6 threes per game as a rookie, like I, I think Jalen Green could get 25 in today's game. No, I think that's fair. I, I, the, the pace factor, especially with it being Houston of all teams, like you said, I, I do think this team is going to play somewhat like that Rio Grande Valley G League team. I don't, I don't really don't think you're that far off. Um, I'll be surprised if he gets to 25. I don't know. Like if, if, if we set the if we set the number at 22 and a half, you'd go over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, if we want to, you want to make some sort of podcast bet on that, we could, we could do that. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out off air. Uh, that Denver team, uh, for the case, record, case, case of hams. Uh, so uh, no, actually, no, we can't do that because they discontinued ham special light. I don't really like regular hams. It's only special oh. light and they don't make it anymore. Jeez. It's not right. canceled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for what it's worth, that, that Mellow Nuggets team led the league in pace at 93.3. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Maybe you're talking me into this. We'll see. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can find a, a points per game bet or a prop at least for, for Jalen Green somewhere. I do want to go to most approved player real quickly, just to say uh, after last night, I'm all in on Anthony Edwards. He's at 30 to one for this award Uh, in recent NBA history. Only two guys have won most improved player in their second year. Most guys win it in like their third, fourth, fifth year. Those two guys, I think this bodes very well for Anthony Edwards. Those two, 
Monte Ellis and Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, so I I like your. I mean, I, I think the one thing working against him is just that he's a second-year player, like you alluded to. Um, I mean, those odds are pretty nice. Like, I, I think, especially because, like, you know, what he did over the last, like, six weeks last year or whatever, mm-hmm. if he kind of just kind of picks up there, um, like, that that can happen some years, right, where a guy wins most improved by basically sort of picking up where they left off towards the end of the year prior and they're just kind of getting more um, notoriety for it. Uh, I don't love, like, I don't love a lot of the favorites for most improved. Um, I mean, what, what would Michael Porter have to do to win it? Like he's the favorite at plus 800. Like I'm, if he just, like, I think Porter's just going to be really good. Isn't everyone going to expect him to be really good? Like, Like, don't you have to kind of surprise people? Yeah, I think so. And and honestly, maybe that's part of the reason that Edwards is down at 30 to one, because his numbers ended up being really good by the end of last year. Right. Where it's like you look around on a roster that has Beasley, has Russell, has Towns, has McDaniels. Um, is he really going to be able to improve the counting stats all that much? You know, like he could he could become more efficient. But if he only adds like two or three points per game in the minds of voters, is that enough? Like, I, I think you're right. Like what you're saying, basically, is Porter's floor from last year is already too high that he can't reasonably like make that massive jump that you usually need to win this. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. he's getting, he, you know, nobody would be surprised if he averaged like 26 points a game. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he can get to 26, 27, 28 points per game, then I think he has a very good chance to win it. But if he's, if he's at like 24 points per game, I think people would say like, yeah, he's better than last year, but not that much better. I like a lot of these names. Like, just a, a little bit, but I, there's just not a name where I'm just like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely the guy. Yeah. yeah I mean, I I've kind of been on the Zion train a little bit with this one, but there's obviously been a lot of negativity there and he too. I mean, I, I don't think he has that much more room to grow statistically. You know, he was, he was pretty damn good last year. Like I, I don't think he's, I think he could be just as good. He could probably be 10 to 15% better, but not like 30% better. Like a lot of guys are who win this. I mean, Garland at 22 to one is interesting. I think Halliburton for another second year guy at 25 to one, especially if they start him and bring healed off the bench like they did last night. That's a little intriguing. I, I mean, John Morant at 30 to one, I think is also pretty good value. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know what, like, what's the next step that John Morant takes? Is he going to all of a sudden get really efficient as a shooter? I think he just needs to take a lot more. And I mean, if, if he takes twice as many and he's only hitting 30%, then that doesn't help. But I mean, he was, he had games where he was taking like one or two threes for weeks at a time. Um, I mean, if he, if he starts taking like a normal 2021 NBA point guard amount of threes, I think that goes a long way for him. And he, he already has the name recognition. Like for him, I feel like he wouldn't have to take quite as big of a leap because everybody loves him so much. Like Zion's also in that category. You know, I could see, so I, I could see like RJ Barrett, um, you, like I don't yeah. think it oh, will yeah, happen, but he, so he's in his third year. Like he's kind of just on paper, just a classic candidate, right? And and uh, yes. he's in he's with the Knicks, so you know you get that little bump, um, just like Julius Randle got that bump. Um, you have. You know, so I, I don't exactly – there's a lot of mouths to feed there with the Knicks. Like, they're one of the deepest 
teams in the league. Like, so, I mean, he would really have to emerge, but I think he's like, if he kind of emerges as maybe a like second team, all defense caliber, uh, two way wing and, you know, gets to like 20 points a game. Like I, I could kind of see it with RJ Barrett a little bit at, mm. at 30 to one. Um, I kind of, I, I, I've been sort of drafting John Collins on a bunch of fantasy teams because he's going like two rounds later than he was last year. And like, he's not a worse player. It's just that his like counting stats tailed off a little bit, but I, I think he's, He's a guy that could uh, emerge as an all-star this year. Um, and then, like, Robert Williams at, at 45 to 1. Uh, yeah. You know, if he were to just kind of take that leap and become a guy who can play 30 minutes a game, 28, 29 minutes a game, and maybe leads the league in blocks or something like that, um, I could I could see that. Is DeJounte at 45 to 1 almost too obvious? Like is there, is there a reason he's all the way down there? Um, I just don't see him because like in, I mean I know you listed like Monte Ellis, uh, but usually when you win this award, it's because you've emerged and become like a no doubt all star. True. And like I just I think Dejounte is just he's really good at what he's really good at, and he's. You know, he leaves a little bit to be desired everywhere else. And, like, I just, you know, people are so down on the Spurs. Like, people don't, like, know who half the guys on the Spurs are. It's just I don't really see that sort of groundswell. Because, mm-hmm. like, everyone already knows Murray's one of the best defensive guards in the league. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, like, mildly improving his steal rate probably is not enough to get this done. Um, I, I mean, mean it, I, more often than not, it requires a big jump in points per game, which for him is maybe not all that realistic. Like, like two, like if I were to go with like a long shot guard, I'd go with Tyler Hero or Terrence Mann. Um, both I are like at Hero. 60, they're both at sixty to one. Um, you know that they're far enough down there where you don't you don't have to bet a lot to to win a lot and. I don't know. I, I could see it happening. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, though, there's like over 12 guys that are, you can make a decent case for. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The last one I'll throw out is Van Vliet at 30 to 1. Um, just with Lowry gone, I think there's a pretty good chance that statistically he he has the improvement. And, and like you said, Almost all these guys who win this award become a first-time All-Star the year that they win it. Like Randall, Ingram, Siakam, Oladipo, Giannis. Um, and Giannis may have made one already before he won this award. But uh, the only real exceptions in the last decade are, are McCollum, who, if he played in the Eastern Conference, would have made an All-Star team that year. And, and Goran Dragic in 2013-14, when it just really wasn't all that strong uh, of a most improved player class. So um, a ton of options, as usual, for this one. What about LaMelo, by the way, at 40 to 1? I, I'm shocked you did not mention this. Uh, I mean, just kind of the second year thing. Um, yeah. I. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I think he could just have a monster year for sure. Like, I mean, if he if he has like basically the second year that lots of the greats had, like, does that get him the award? Just by default? It depends. It depends. I mean, I think like the injury last year kind of sucked away some of the momentum for him. So I, I feel like, like he was probably still going to be on even more of an upward trajectory to finish last year. And then the injury happens and, and he looks fine when he comes back. But, you know, it, it, it kind of sucked away the momentum that he had built before that. And I feel like if he picks up where he left off and is notably better and, you know, is like averaging eight assists per game and 20 points, like I, I, I I actually think I like him just as much as I do Edwards, the more I think about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's better than Edwards, but he also established a higher baseline or a higher kind of standard last year. So, like, he has to be, you know, the same amount better. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I don't even... you would have to improve enough where at midseason we're like, this guy absolutely has to be an all-star. And with Edwards, I, I don't know if I can necessarily see that because I don't think the team's going to be that good. Um, not that the Hornets are going to be competing for the title or anything, but I, I think there's a there's a clearer path to LaMelo being a no-doubt all-star next year than there is for Edwards. I do, you know, I, I do kind of like, um, like, I like OG more than I like Fred Van Vliet. Like Van Vliet's at 30 to one, OG's at 45 to one. 
And I think like Van Vliet is just, he's a very established good player who probably just can't be better than that. Like, like I don't know if he has another level, whereas like OG mm-hmm. is established in some ways, but he's not as established. Like he, he has more room to get to like another level to me than Van Vliet does. I think there's at least the possibility of that with OG, where, where like he's he's just kind of been used as this like super McCall Bridges role player type of guy, and I, I think he like it wouldn't be shocking if he showed everyone like oh I am more than this. Whereas like you said with Van Vliet, it's like the numbers could probably be better, but he can't. I, I don't think he can change like what tier of player he is in in the league if that makes sense. Whereas I think OG could go from oh we we thought this guy was a role player to he might be a lot more than that. Right, yeah, that like that the Van Vliet and DeJounte Murray thing are kind of the same to me where it's just like Yeah. Is is there another level for this guy other than just you know, there's more minutes to go around? The new NFL season is underway and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi entry contest now being shark free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS Fantasy Football Contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000, and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer and get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome. So the DraftKings Sportsbook has uh, head-to-head regular season win total odds. So essentially, which of these two teams wins more games? And and, and the odds vary, you know, depending on the matchup. Um, you know, you'll have some teams in the minus, some teams at plus odds. But I picked out a few uh, that I think are intriguing, and, and really most of them are. There, there's not a lot of, like, super lopsided ones. But I, I want to start with the, the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks or the Phoenix Suns? More wins next season. Uh, the Bucks are, are pretty heavily favored in this one about as heavily favored as any of these matchups. They're at minus 265 Phoenix plus 200. Uh, the Suns won five more games than the Bucks last year. And, and obviously some things went wrong for Milwaukee during the regular season. They were, they were still very much uh, feeling out the new additions uh, early on and, you know, had some injuries, had some COVID absences, pretty much everything went right for Phoenix. So, so I understand this, but um, to me, this one could be a little bit closer, especially with, with what we talked about with Giannis at the top. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, so back to Giannis, like how many, like, how do you see this sort of playing out with him? Like, do you, do you think he's just like, is this just kind of where you just don't play like your quarterback during the preseason and then he's just ready to go for opening night and maybe he sits the occasional back-to-back, but it's not a every back-to-back type of thing, or do you see it being worse than that? I think I'm more concerned about it now than I would like to be. Like, I, I would not be all that shocked if in a couple of weeks he, like, misses a couple of games at the beginning of the season. I, I do think long term he's going to be fine. Um, 
I, you know, I, I think the team's being honest that, that it is knee related and not rest related. So, you know, like the, the, or the NFL preseason comparison, I think is valid, but Aaron Rodgers sitting out the entire Packers preseason had nothing to do with injury. You know, it's, it's more preservation. And I, I think this really does have to do with, with the after effects of that knee. I mean, the nice thing is we're not dealing with the condensed schedule from last year where you, you, you know, you really have to worry about um, how teams are going to handle that. At the same time, you have 10 more games and the Bucks are coming off of winning the NBA title and then all that pressure, um, you know, to, to have home court advantage and, and be, you know, the one or the two seed is not necessarily there. I mean, obviously they, they want to do that. And I think they're good enough, even if Giannis misses games sporadically uh, to easily lock up, you know, one of the top four seeds. But I don't think you're under nearly as much pressure this season as you were the last couple of seasons to, you know, to ensure that you're in a great spot in the playoffs. So that's kind of off. At the same time, the, the counter argument is I don't think Giannis, I, I truly don't think he is like most other superstars. And I, I feel like that's kind of cliche, especially in the state of Wisconsin, the way that people revere him. But I, I think he wants to play as many games as he can. And I think he'll insist on playing. Um, you know, obviously there's a point where that becomes reckless, where I, I think the team would step in, but I don't see him missing more games than he has to. The question is physically, how many is he going to have to miss, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I just don't, I don't really think there's value here. Um, minus 265, like, you know, that's, I'd rather just bet the bucks over at 54 and a half. And, and that's at like minus 115 or whatever. So, I mean, this is, it's a lot, it's a lot of value um, that you're kind of giving up there. But I mean, I, I definitely think the bucks win more games than the Suns, but um, I'd probably stay away on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I also like Phoenix. I mean, you're bringing back essentially the same team. I don't, I don't see other than if if you think there's some Chris Paul attrition, um, I, I don't see a reason they should take like a massive step back by any means. Um, but but we'll see. I'll, I'll throw out two Dallas Mavericks related matchups here. Uh, Mavericks or Warriors? You get the Mavs at minus 130, Golden State plus 105, uh, and then Mavericks versus Nuggets. You get the Mavs at minus 140 there. Uh, Denver plus 115. So, so these odds imply that that Dallas will have a better record than both Golden State and Denver. Well, I think I picked the over for all three of these teams. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'd be tempted to just take the underdog in each of these bets. Um, Man, these are these are hurting my head. Uh, I don't think there's a correct answer. <laughs> um, the Jason Kidd thing—it's like the more the more I hear coming out of there, the more concerned I am. Um, but I sort of don't know why I was expecting it to be any different than that. <laughs> um, I mean, I have I have said I do think people are underrating how many regular season games then the nuggets are going to win uh even if they're not real you know contenders this year um so yeah i mean i think again i these are these are just kind of scary bets uh i don't know if there's a ton of value to be gained here um but i don't mind i don't mind going with the underdog in, in either of those those mavericks ones mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like there's still a decent amount that could go wrong for Dallas. 
Um, Porzingis, obviously being probably the number one thing. I, I don't think they got dramatically better compared to last year. I it's, think adding, adding, adding Reggie Bullock is fine. I mean, it's it's 100% like, does Doncic just become this guy who automatically gets you 50 wins from here on out? But here's the thing. Like, so I think they got better on the margins, like all over the place. Like, I, I like, sure. you know, I like the Bullock signing. I think Porzingis can be better than he was last year. I think Kleber and... Dwayne Finney-Smith are going to have better years than they did last year. Powell's going to be better than he was last year. Like, they just have all these tiny little ways where they're going to be better. Uh, Doncic is already – to me, he's, like, already at kind of that level. Like, like, I mean, I sure, he could just continue to, like, get a little bit better like all the greats do. Uh, it's just that that big going from, like, a top-five coach to a bottom-five coach, like, how often does that translate into – a team being like having what you would call like a successful season. It just, yeah, it's just, it's just really tough to sort of wrap my head around. Cause like everything other than the coach is just screaming. Like, yeah, this team is like a, a legitimate threat to go to the NBA finals this year. Um, but I, there's just like, am I going to bet on Jason Kidd? Like, you know, probably not. Yeah. When, when you phrase it that way, if it, if it listed, Golden State Warriors or Jason Kidd's team, I think I, I would I would feel completely differently about it. I don't know. I, at the same time, I also feel like if you're at a certain level, you can transcend poor coaching. You know, like I, I think we saw LeBron do that for a long time. I, I mean, I think Doncic to some degree. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was poor coaching but, for Rick Carlisle, but, but I, I think he tuned him out. But they're so like to me, they're at this level offensively, right? Like, like yes. I don't think Jason Kidd's going to be able to ruin anything they're doing offensively i just expect them to take a noticeable step back with every schematic thing they were doing defensively yeah i I think that's fair okay two more uh these two are really the reason that i wanted to to do this this is all an elaborate setup uh to get to these the chicago bulls or the new york knicks the bulls slight favorites minus 155 the knicks plus 125 pound the knicks I love I love the Knicks side of this. Yeah, I, um, I think there's I think there's a higher floor with the Knicks. I, I think the Bulls maybe have a, a slightly higher ceiling if everything goes right. I also think there's a pretty good chance that everything does not go right. I mean, yeah, I just I, I think the Knicks. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> they're like I, I know I've said the Hawks are the deepest team in the league. The Knicks might be maybe the second deepest team in the East. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe throw the nets in there, but. They might be too um, deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, Tibbs is going to have his hands full in terms of managing expectations and stuff like that. I, I especially dislike the way they've kind of gone about blocking quickly, but um I mean, I just think, and I mean, they're really weak behind Randall at the four. But I mean, they've they've got a lot of depth, but it's not equally spread spread across the roster. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I think that they they're going to regress and still have a better record than the Bulls because the Bulls don't really have an identity. They they just kind of have like a top. 10 offense it's not a top five offense and a terrible defense and the bulls like the bulls all those guys are gonna defend better than you expect them to and i mean they were 
as good as they were last year. Obviously, they were a little over their heads, but they they barely had anyone that could create a shot in the half court. And now they add Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, who, you know, they're not all-stars or anything, but, I mean, they, they definitely got better, I think, than they were last year. I, I do think the Knicks regress by default. I, I think everything went their way last year. They were one of the healthiest teams. You know, their best player, I think, missed one game the entire year during a season when most superstars were missing, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus games in some cases, but they also have so much depth. Like we're saying that like if Randall misses 10 games or, you know, Barrett misses 10 games, like you at least have options, maybe not quite so much for Randall because it drops down to like Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, Taj Gibson pretty quickly. But, you know, Kemba Walker, like that signing could be a disaster and you're still okay because you have Derrick Rose, you have Emmanuel quickly, you have Alec Burks, RJ Barrett can play point guard, you know, like they, they do have a ton of depth in the backcourt, but like you said, yeah, I, I don't, I don't love like most teams. If they had a breakout out of nowhere, like Emmanuel quickly, you know, it would be like, all right, nice. We have this, we have this future piece. Let's make sure to keep developing him. Like quickly might play fewer minutes after a breakout rookie season than he did last year. Yeah. I mean, and when I said, I think they're better than they were last year, I, I'm not I'm definitely not talking about like um, regular season winning percentage, but like, yeah, yeah, when you factor in, I mean, the East is better than it was last year. Um, they just, like, I, I gave the Knicks no chance in the playoffs last year, like, and I probably won't give them much chance this year, but, like, I'll at least think they're, like, a, a respectable team, whereas, like, last year they were just, like, so comically overperforming how good right. they were going to be in the playoffs, whereas this year, like, they're just a, a solid, like, 44-win team. All right, and finally, I, I tweeted this bet out earlier. Maybe you saw it already. I cannot believe that this is being offered. This this should be labeled like the devil's prop bet. The Sacramento Kings or the Minnesota Timberwolves? The Kings, minus 130 here. Minnesota, plus 105. Who has more wins? Um, yeah, I mean, this is this bet's probably just getting hammered from either side. Uh, <laughs> generating, generating a ton of buzz in the betting community. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, got to see the handle here. <laughs> uh, oh, <man>. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you through this. I feel bad. Well, I definitely don't think the Kings should be minus 130 here. No, not at all. I think if anything, I mean, it should be flipped. It should be like, <laughs> it should be like minus 115 and minus 115 and you are a huge sucker if you bet either side of it um, <laughs> there should there should be some way i don't i don't know what the math would be where like no matter what side you you bet you automatically lose a minimum of a hundred dollars yeah yeah i mean yeah you can't you, the, the kings shouldn't be minus 130 in any sort of bet like this so by default i'm going with the, the timberwolves i mean right they're the t- <laughs> The timberwolves are just always going to be the timberwolves and hilarious but um Counterpoint, so are the Kings. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I kind of I think I kind of know what the sort of identity of this Timberwolves team is like on the court. Whereas, I mean, the Kings, like, it's just like what's I don't know what the point of the Kings is really. Um, yeah. For for a team that just fired, like did like a surprise firing of its top executive a couple weeks ago, like there does seem to be a there seems to be a fair amount of positivity 
in Minnesota, like especially with the way that that Anthony Edwards has come on. And and if you want to watch more YouTube highlights from last night, uh, look up Anthony Edwards. He he was phenomenal in that game. Like there's at least some more like rising optimism. Whereas yeah, Sacramento looks like they hit on Halliburton. Fox is playing better. You, you re-sign Holmes, but it does kind of feel like they're just kind of same old Kings still sputtering. Whereas at least on the court or on the roster, Minnesota has has some sort of forward momentum. These two teams are like, they're both trying to ask Ben Simmons the prom and they just keep getting shut down. Like they both, they both want to offer their third and fourth best players for Ben Simmons and just yeah. haven't been able to swing a deal yet. <laughs> I love, yeah, teams like that are, like, like certain guys are off the table. Like, Cat, I get. If you want to pull him off the table, that's totally fine. You, there's no one else. And maybe Edwards, depending on, like, if they're really that high on him internally. But if you, if you want to get a multi-time All-Star, you can't be saying, like, D'Angelo Russell's not on the table. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, you're not actually, like, a serious, like, you're not seriously bidding for Ben Simmons if Anthony Edwards is untouchable. Like, you're, you know, I... You could even say, hey, like Anthony Edwards, but you got to send us um, like Maxi and Diable and whatever. But like when you're the Timberwolves who never even approach 500 and you're saying our two best players are off the table, then you're not like seriously in on them. No, exactly. Well said. Um, DraftKings also offers some conference seating odds. So you, you, know, you, you say exactly where this team finishes. Uh, I, not a ton of value here, like with these, you know, kind of head-to-head uh, win totals. But there, there are a few that stand out. Miami Heat seven to one to get the two seed in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, you get Brooklyn or Milwaukee to get the one. You know, one of those teams underperforms, has an injury, whatever, whatever it may be. I, I kind of like Miami to be that team that could jump up to number two. Yes, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying the Heat that much, uh, to be honest. Um, I think there are bets that I kind of like along those same premises, but I think the Heat are just a very classic, like better in the playoffs than the regular season type of team, just as as currently constructed. Because, I mean, they might have the least depth in the league, and they have a pretty old core. So, if we're just talking about seeding, like I, I think, like I would favor the Heat if everyone's healthy, I'd probably favor the Heat over the Hawks in the playoffs, but I think the Hawks are going to have a better regular season record than the Heat. Well, you can get the Hawks at 11 to 1 to be the 2 seed. I mean, if if you're if you're kind of crossing off Philly, like there's just too much going on there and you think well, if you think one of Milwaukee and Brooklyn isn't going to get the 1 or the 2, I think Miami or Atlanta is, is a fine bet. Yeah, I just I do I think they're I, do, I don't think either of those top two teams falls out of okay. the top two. Um, so I'd be looking at, like, number three seed, um, like, Hawks there at plus 550. I like sure. uh, I like the Celtics at plus 700 to get the three seed. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I like the yeah, Lakers. I mean, the, the Lakers at plus 550 to get the four in the West. And, and you know, but once you start getting into the, like, the chances that they finish exactly four, like that's kind of a stab in the dark, but I, I would rather bet the Lakers to finish like third or fourth than first or second. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Um, let's see. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do. I kind of actually like I like the value on some of these. Because, um, I, like, I, I feel pretty good about the Hawks or the Celtics getting the three seed in the East, to be honest. And um, I like those those ones on the, the team seeding, too, where it's like, like the Hawks under 5.5 so basically they have to be the one seed through the five seed at like minus 120 i like that a lot um i mean i think i mean betting on the bucks to get the one seed and the nets to get the two seed like you're getting uh decent value there at the the nets just the over 1.5 so they're not getting the one seed like i don't know i think there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff on this one all right let's switch over to some fantasy talk before we head out um we'll have a round table up on the site on wednesday uh that that'll dig deeper into this topic but we have some adp figures uh you know those, these are changing like pretty rapidly day to day as as we get more information and, and as draft season progresses um, but we were able to use, you know, what we have from Fantasy Pros, you know, the, the Yahoo, ESPN, CBS composite uh, to, to start evaluating some guys that are going too high, too low. Um, you gave me a, an extensive list for both of these. Uh, and again, you can find this uh, in that forthcoming roundtable piece on Wednesday. But I picked out a few guys from each category that I think are interesting. Uh, a few of the bigger names that you have going too high. Joel Embiid, Brad Beal, Julius Randle. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, and it, and uh, you may have submitted this before Wiggins got vaccinated. I'm not sure the exact timing on that, so you can clarify. But uh, starting with Embiid and Beal, is, is it with Embiid? Is it just what are the chances that he stays, you know, this healthy again? Like was last year somewhat of a best case scenario for him? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I mean, it's kind of maybe more about the way that I sort of approach those early round picks. Um, like I'm, I'm really trying to limit downside uh, as best as I can, and I mean he's got like the worst availability track record of anyone going that high. So, you know, I, I I'd be happy to take Joel Embiid in the middle of the second round. He's obviously never going to be there in the middle of the second round, but like I just I can't get a guy who is going to, and I, I pretty much only play in weekly leagues too. So, you know, it, it's a little different if you play in daily moves leagues where you can just take a guy out whenever he's going to miss a game and plug him right back in. And you usually have someone else you can plug in for them. But like in weekly leagues, having a guy where, you know, he's probably going to miss, like I, I think Joel Embiid's going to miss around like between 28 and 18 games this year, but you just, you don't know when he's going to miss those games. And sometimes it's getting ruled out on a Wednesday and you're going to have to take a zero the rest of that week. And um, I'm just, I'm trying to limit my risk there. And I know that he's going to be a beast when he plays. Uh, I think he's actually going to benefit statistically probably from Simmons not being there, but I'm just, I'm really with those first, especially with a first round pick, I just would much rather take a, little less upside and a lot more certainty from a playing time standpoint. Who have you found yourself targeting in that range so far in the drafts that you've done? Um, well, I, I took, I took, uh, I took Paul George in one kind of in that, that range, like the eight, nine, 10 range. Um, 
I, I love Paul, love Paul George. I thought you were going to say Jaden McDaniels, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, like Paul George is kind of the just very very safe, right? Like, I mean, yes. Not only does he have a better situation than he did last year from a usage standpoint, but just I think he's a a, a good bet to to play in a, a good chunk of their games. And um, I also took Giannis in that range, but this was like. This was definitely before um, this kind of knee management stuff popped up, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we we covered Giannis pretty significantly um, prior, but I, I like a guy, two guys I've been wanting, I've been I've been mostly kind of picking in the middle in like twelve team leagues, so like in the like six to ten range, but. I'd love to. I'd love to pair Trey Young with Anthony Davis if I could get those guys at, at a turn. Because um, I'm I'm really high on both of them this year and just haven't really been in the right spot to get them. So I think we differ on Davis, and I, I'm high on him relative to where he's going because you're getting him at a pretty significant discount compared to where he's been the last few years, which has been like on the on the outside of like the potential number one pick conversation. And and I do think maybe people are a little too down on him, but. I, I'm just really worried by how much he regressed last year. I, I don't know if it's, it can be chalked up to just straight up motivation. Um, you know, he's seemingly always banged up. I, I think that's a part of it. If he stays healthy, that 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 goes a long way. But I I do worry about his like I, I think he's going to have a bigger impact on winning this year than he is in fantasy. If that makes sense. Like I I think the addition of Russ is going to hurt him rebounding wise. Um, I, I don't think he's ever been quite as good of like a high volume shot blocker as his reputation. Be lies like I I could see him returning to being like a just a monster on defense for them, but I don't know that it's going to translate to like huge statistical production. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not. So I mean, you wouldn't take him at like the if you were picking like 12th and 13th, like at the turn in a 12 team league, you wouldn't take him there. I, I would take him there, I guess. I, it depends how how high we're talking. Like CBS leagues, he's going eighth on average. Like to me, I would I would almost rather yeah. I wouldn't say this in years past, but I'd rather have Paul George. I'd rather have Jason Tatum. Um, like Anthony Davis versus Bradley Beal is, is kind of an interesting discussion at this point. I would definitely take him over Embiid. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it definitely matters where you're going. Um, I I would take Paul George over him as well. Um, Anthony Davis versus Jason Tatum is kind of tough for me. Um, sure, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get what you're saying. I just I think like I always like betting like I like Carl Anthony Towns um, at three or four this year. Uh, sure. You know, I'm definitely taking Jokic, Harden, one two, and then between it's it's a toss up for me between Steph and Carl Anthony Towns just because like these sort of like all time greats like when whenever you can get them at a slight discount coming off like a weird down year. Like I love getting back in there and that's kind of how I view Davis this year. Like, it's just, there's no way last year was the new normal for him. Like, I just think that's going to be just a random blip on when you look at his basketball reference page. Um, So I just, I like, I like getting Davis at a slight discount, but I do agree a little bit with what you're saying about Russell Westbrook taking some stats. So what about KD versus Towns? They have the same composite ADP, seven point seven. Uh, I would imagine you learn you would lean Cat there. Yeah, I, I like Cat. Yeah, I, I love Cat over KD, and it's it's got nothing to do with you know who the better player is. It's just the way you know 
fantasy scoring goes. Yeah. And I, I expect Crowley Towns to play in basically every single game he can possibly play in this year. And I expect Kevin Durant to get, you know, a dozen games off or so. And like Crowley Towns, he's just such a fantasy freak when he's when he's on. I mean, it's just so useful to get that production from the center spot. It's, it's tough to pass up. I also don't think Cat has been quite as banged up as people, like his reputation uh, implies. I think a lot of that was COVID related, you know, some personal tragedies going on. Like it, it's not like he's coming off of two torn ACLs or something. Um, I, I think there is a good chance that he gets back on track and is like a 78 game guy uh, like he looked like he was the first four years of his career. So I, I, I do like Cat quite a bit this season. Um, Michael Porter Jr., SGA, both on your list of guys going too low. I don't think that's too controversial. I think you're spot on. Uh, I agree with both of those. But a few other names I thought were a little more interesting on your list. Uh, you have Darius Garland, Tyrese Maxey, Chuma Okiki, and Jordan Poole as four other guys who are undervalued right now. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. Like, I, I only play um, in terms of, like, ADP and stuff. I'm only really usually using NFBKC. And, like, a, a like Garland at least was um, – I think it was just a weird, I didn't really understand why his ADP was where it was. Like, wasn't he in like the eighties or something like that? Um, Garland? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. 82.7 is what I'm seeing. Yeah. I don't get that at all. That's low. Uh, That's really low. I mean, he's, he's a starting point guard. Like he's not just a, a super stud or anything, but he's, he's going to give you all the point guard stuff. Like he's going to give you threes. He's going to give you assists. Um, good free throw percentage like I think he he really kind of became that guy that a lot of us were hoping it would be um kind of in the middle of last year and I think he's just gonna only build on that and but yeah I just think it's a miscalculation and, and, you know maybe that's just because a lot of those sites you know you're talking about different scoring formats and stuff right. and if you're if you're not playing roto then um yeah, maybe he's less valuable in in points formats and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think Garland's a uh, guy that I would take in the like 50s or 60s in a, in a roto draft. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on that one. Like his his ADP in, in CBS leagues is 97 according to Fantasy Pros composite. Like that 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 screams like there's some sort of disconnect with with formats, right? Like I, I think that does not match the general upswell of positivity around Garland. Like, I, I feel like his, like you said, his ADP should be like 55 because everybody, I, I haven't like, I haven't talked to anyone who's like really down on Darius Garland. Like every, everyone seems in on him and his ADP is like right around where it was last year, I guess maybe a little bit higher. Like he's behind RJ Barrett in composite, in composite ADP. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, not that's right. gotta be a, that's definitely a format dependent thing, right? Cause like they're yeah. both, they're polar opposites in that like, Garland's awesome for Roto and Barrett's awesome for points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, his composite number is 157. Um, I, I think that's going to change quite a bit. Uh, it, it sounds like the Sixers really want him to be the guy, uh, you know, if Simmons doesn't play another game for them, which seems very likely at this point. I, I didn't think he looked very good last night. I thought he looked a little frazzled uh, in that preseason game, but small sample, obviously. Um, and if he's going to be the starting point guard on a good team that has good surrounding talent and could play close to 30 minutes a game. I, I think he makes a lot of sense uh, quite a bit higher than 157. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he, 
was one of the best players at summer league, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you know, he's a second, second year player. I mean, you should be good in your second year there, but um, yeah, I just think it's a great uh, kind of hole in the market. Like I, I do not, Ben Simmons is not playing for the Sixers this year, in my opinion. And I, I also love Seth Curry. Like I think both Curry and Maxi are going to get uh, a lot of, creation opportunities on the perimeter and maxi like we've at least sort of seen him really sort of flash a high ceiling uh not on a consistent basis by any means but when you're talking about that low i mean you're you're talking about a guy who's going to be on your bench and i think it's just kind of worth rolling the dice to see how he fares all right let's finish out with okiki and pool then i'm I'm 100 in on okiki i think especially with the uncertainty around Jonathan Isaac, both vaccine and, uh, you know, injury related. I, I think there's a lot of upside for him, especially early on. And I think he can play well enough to to kind of lock in a, a pretty big role permanently. I also think he has like the perfect, uh, you know, kind of fantasy profile to be, you know, not like Sean Marion or anything like that. But um, like his, I think his game lends itself better to fantasy than it will to real life impact early on. I, I think, you know, later on in his career, he could be really effective, but I think he he might not really help the Magic win that many games, but the type of numbers that he puts up, I think will will propel him up fantasy rankings relative to where he actually ranks as a player in the league. Yeah, I mean, and the the, the steals are great. Um, the the thing that really jumps out to me is just how little competition he has for minutes. Like, right, their their forward situation is not a total wasteland. So. Uh, He's, you know, theoretically part of their long-term core, or at least he's going to have that opportunity to establish himself that way this year. And, um, yeah, I just, I think he's going to be over 30 minutes a game. And you throw in the the defensive contributions he has, I think it's it's a nice value. All right, and where, where does Jordan Poole fit into this? Well, he, he, I looked, mean, he looked he extremely was, good last night. He was ranked so low, or in that that ADP. Uh, you know, I think he goes quite a bit higher than that in most like roto drafts, but you know, I think he's gonna really get all he can eat uh, next to Steph Curry, and and I think he'll almost always be on the court when Curry's off the court, just so that they have that spacing out there. And um, like, I mean, he's basically their number two uh, creator on, on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, he, he also, kind of like with Maxi, he flashed a high ceiling at times uh, last year uh, from a scoring standpoint. And, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a ton of um, defensive stats from him, really. I, I've heard, uh, forget which pot I heard it on, but uh, one of the Warriors beat writers was saying they envision him becoming a CJ McCollum type of guy. I mean, I think that's unlikely, but I mean, that's kind of the archetype of player you're looking for with him. And right. so I just, I, I like the situation from a, a workload standpoint and I like the, the ADP. I think he has a decent chance to start too. I mean, he started, right. he started last night. Obviously they're still without Clay, but I, I think if Clay comes back on Christmas, that's like 25 games. You know, I mean, that, that you could be logging as a high minute starter on a team that, that has depth, but doesn't. You know, like I, I, the comments from I think both Draymond and Steve Kerr in the last couple of days have had 
some like somewhat backhanded comments about like, look, this is we want we want to win now. Um, I, I don't I don't think it was necessarily meant to be critical of, of the front office, you know, holding on to those picks and, and taking Wiseman and Moody and Kaminga. But, you know, I, I think they made it clear, like we're, we're trying to win. Like we don't we don't necessarily have time to prioritize developing these guys. And and Kerr basically said, like, yeah, it's going to be a veteran laden rotation. So I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Moody and a ton of Kaminga. I think they'll have their spots, but I think they're going to prioritize guys that that they're familiar with and that they trust. And I mean, it's, it seems kind of crazy to say this, but I, I, Jordan Poole is probably in that category right now. And honestly, he he didn't even make my list because the ADP didn't go that far down. But right. I, I've been going after Juan Toscano-Anderson in draft and holds just because, uh, like, I could see him being a part of some of their closing lineups. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he he's kind of a guy that can play a little bit of three, a little bit of four, uh, can play next to Draymond. He's part of the, like – the guys that Steve Kerr is going to lean on are like the obvious guys, the Curry, Draymond, Clay guys, uh, Wiggins. But he's also going to lean a lot on guys like Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano-Anderson and Kevin Looney just because they they understand everything that, that they're trying to do on both ends of the court. So, um, I, I mean, that's a big part of why I like the Warriors over is I just – you're not going to just tank the development or the trade value of these young guys by limiting their minutes this year. Like, you know, sometimes guys can get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Jonathan Kaminga is ready for 20 minutes, he'll get 20 minutes. But if he's not, I don't think having him you know, see some time in the G League is the worst thing for his development. No, especially if he's not ready. You know, if he comes out there and, and looks overmatched, I, I think – you know, his value can only fall so far. I, I don't think he would he would just become like a, a zero asset all of a sudden. But if he's not ready, it, it's better to to keep that package like unknown. Right. I mean, it, I think if, if you don't think he is fully prepared to look good on an NBA court, I don't think there's a lot of payoff in, in throwing him out there. It, it, you know, whether you actually plan to trade him or not, like just just preserving that value. Right. Right. I mean, you, you know, they. James Wiseman's trade value would probably be higher if he hadn't played a single game last year. <laughs> oh, 100%. Exactly. That's that, that's the blueprint. I was just going to say it. Right. And I, I think he still has value. And I think there's still some, like, inherent cachet because it's the Warriors that they, they, they like, exude more trust than other teams. Um, like, I, I, I still believe that they can get more out of Wiseman than if he was in, like, Cleveland or Washington or something like that. But... Yeah, I mean, there's 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 risk in throwing a guy out there who's not ready, especially if the team has expectations of winning close to 50 games. Yep, I totally agree. All right, man, we got four more preseason games tonight. We got a big slate as usual on Wednesday. I think six or seven games. Um, action continues through the weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you'll be back uh, hopefully weekly through the NBA season, uh, or at least until you know the next baseball season picks up. But as always, appreciate the time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.